Welcome to the Off the Beaten Career Path podcast. I'm your host, Katie Myers. Here you will find the inspiration, strategies, and tactics needed to reach the next level and beyond in your small business and career. Thanks for joining us and get ready to put these ideas to work for you. Hello and welcome to the Off the Beaten Career Path podcast. I'm your host, Katie Myers, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Her name is Abigail Gazda. She is a heart-centered entrepreneur. She's transformed her passion for education into a full-time career as an author, publisher, and life coach. Abigail is the CEO of Hearts Unleashed, a full-service transformation company committed to empowering people to operate with full freedom, power, and self-expression in every area of life. As the founder of Hearts Unleashed House Publishing, she is a clarity coach and supports souls speaking up about their silent struggle and unleashing the authentic leader within. As the host of the Hearts Unleashed podcast, she is committed to turning dreamers into doers and helping raise the frequency of humanity with the development of emotional intelligence. As a best-selling author, she personally thrives the most in her life while adventuring, writing, educating, surfing, rollerblading around the SoCal coast. Born and raised a proud Indiana Hoosier, Abigail currently travels the world as a full-time nomad living van life and calls San Clemente, California home. Welcome, Abigail. Thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you today. I came in contact with Abigail last fall. She spoke at an event that I went to, and since then, I have been a big fan listening to your podcast, reading your books. And I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and hear your story about how your career got to where it is because you have an incredible career. You really went off the beaten career path. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, I love the title of this podcast. I Hearts Unleashed, the podcast too, is is very similar. You paving your own way, going off the trail. And so I just, I'm so glad to be here because I know, I just know your audience has an open heart, an open ear, an open mind, and is really looking to go off the beaten path. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So can you share your story? Because you definitely started with a very normal career path. Yeah. I I joke about this sometimes. Like I've been an entrepreneur from the womb. I can't drive past an empty building without thinking of what I can put in it. There's just this burn in me. I was selling t-shirts in high school and my grandmother, she was a florist in Whiting, Indiana in our hometown and, you know, raised in the shop and helping and pricing things or, you know, using the hot glue gun. And so it was just instilled very early. My dad's an entrepreneur. It's something I've been around and it's very normal, but also I was born and raised an athlete. And so athletics was really important to me. And so was teaching gym. I went to college to get my education degree. So I have my degree in physical education and health and also in special education. So I was really, I am really passionate about that. And then when I got into my career as an educator, I realized very quickly, I didn't love the education system. I was very disenchanted with the education system. And then also just the four walls, even though I was the gym teacher, so we would go out to the field and in the gymnasium and in the classroom for health, it was still too small. In my mind's eye, I saw myself speaking on stages all over the world and impacting millions of people. And I don't really know where that came from. Like, I I don't know why that's the vision laid on my head and my heart. And I always thought it would be through education that I would talk to lots of students. But the more that I was a teacher and everything, it continued to evolve. And then when I was ready to leave education, I actually went to start my own gym 
and ended up working with a corporate gym chain and managing gym chains for quite some years. And so that was where I was actually introduced to coaching because I hired a gal who needed to work front desk and she was way overqualified. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Like your resume, you have a master's, you have a career already. And now you want to be front desk at the gym. Like what's going on? She said, well, I just left my career and I'm becoming a life coach and and I just need some income while I create my career. And about two weeks into working side by side at the front desk, she said, would you be interested in coming to see my life coach training program? Because I am being taught to say everything that you already say, like as my trainer and everything, like you just, you're so, you have this wisdom about you. And so I really appreciated that. And I went to her program. It was a two hour observation. And within two hours, I signed up for a year long, $15,000 program. Like, yes, I'm in. It was, they were speaking a language I didn't know was being spoken. That was just a different type of conversation, a different type of focus, different priority. And it was something that just really resonated with my soul. The rest is history, right? Like it has unfolded into something so beautiful. I love that. How did you feel about leaving a career? My parents worked for the public education system. My dad was a teacher and a principal. My mom worked in an admin. So I'm very familiar with that. And that is a stable career. You got a good retirement, all the things that I think we're taught to look for in a career growing up. How did you get just the confidence to leave behind that? And after you work for it for so many years to go try something brand new? I so appreciate that question because I did, I declared wanting to be a teacher as young as like ninth grade. And my mom wanted to be a teacher and she ended up uh, on a different career path. And so it was like a fulfillment of both of our dreams. And so much of my identity rested in becoming a teacher for so long that to fulfill it, I was basically at the top of my life goals that I had and so that was a very interesting experience because to get exactly where I said I wanted to go and then decide that's not what I want or I want to go further. I was just, I was leaving a career that I declared I wanted, which really messed with my identity. I was a little bit, I don't know if down on myself was the right word, but I was afraid that I disappointed my mom. I was afraid I disappointed my students, my my colleagues, myself. And so there was there was a season of grief about leaving, but I've come to realize that in order to go, you must let go. And so that's been a really profound lesson that's carried me through a lot of years of my life and phases. Yeah, I think so too. And as someone who's also changed careers several times, I think that that's really important. In order to go, you got to let go. Your business now, you do a lot of different things. You write, you're an author, you help other people bring their dreams of being an author to life, and you do the life coaching, the podcast. What's the evolution been for you in your own business, and where do you see the evolution going? Mm, what a great question, because I'm, I'm in an evolutionary phase right now. So Hearts Unleashed was born in 2017, from basically 2017 till about 2022. It was all about building Hearts Unleashed. And the way that that would come about is I'd get this really clear download about a program to build. And at the first one, Time to Shine, which is my self-discovery program, it came to me and I'm like, this is it. And I built it and I coached it and I coached it for months. And then Velocity came to me. And so these, these courses became an entire curriculum. 
And it became the Hearts Unleashed Leadership Academy. So all these times, all these years, these programs kept coming and they kept building. I run book clubs. I do have the podcast. Books come to me constantly. And then I write other people's books. And so, so much of my coaching career has been about surrender. It's been about patience. It's been about surrender. It's about trust. When it comes to to stepping off the beaten career path, right? I think so much of that has to do with like following your passion, following your intuition, following the urges and nudges of your heart. And it's not familiar. It can feel very mysterious and it can feel very risky. And so the the normal career path is very stabilized. It's very predictable. It's very cut and dry. It's very well described and established. And so that's great. There's, it's not to make one better or worse, but that some of us don't fit it's round peg square hole feeling like me trying to be a corporate nine to fiver. When I left my corporate career managing gyms, I actually demoted myself because I also wanted some stable income while I was building my career. When I was leaving my career, I told my superior, like, I am not a nine to fiver. Like, it is just not for me. I am all over the place and I need more variety and I need more fluidity and autonomy. And so I think that that's so much about when people feel pulled into their own career or into, let's just say, an unconventional career, being able to have the freedom to follow your intuition, to follow your passion, I think is really, really important. Absolutely. I'm so interested to hear about your nomad life and why you chose that and then how you manage running a business living that way. I've been, so we're here talking in 2023. I've been a nomad for about two, two and a half years and living a pretty nomadic life before that for quite some time, moving every six months, whether it was apartments or roommates, things like that. And then went full-time camper and vehicle and then went full-time van life. And so I love it. It is not for everybody. You know, you might watch it on YouTube or Instagram. It looks really cute and pretty and, oh, that must be amazing. And it is. Like, I can agree that it is. And it is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to know where they're going to get their water supply from or worry about, you know, dirty water and sewage or worry about their electricity and making sure they have enough or paying for gas. My gas bill for the car is the same as your utilities bill. You know, sometimes people think it's a cheaper route and it's really just a redistribution of your funds as far as your living situation, but the adventure of it. So my life purpose is adventure and I love being on the road. I love seeing new places. I adore pulling up into family, friends, colleagues, and clients' houses and towns and them giving me a tour of where they live and meeting their family that they I coach them about or their colleagues that I work with them or seeing what they're building in their real physical lives. Because Hearts Unleashed as a company, so much of our desire and goal and commitment is to help people find their tribe. 
because geographically we might not be able to find them. They may not be in our town, but virtually we're able to connect with people all over the world who are like-minded, like-hearted and passionate. And so Nomad Life just sets me free to do that. My, it is my career that keeps me on the road. It's, it's personal and it's also professional. It is incredibly beneficial to be able to pull up into someone's town in Wisconsin and meet them and then be on their podcast a year later. And I host speaking events and and retreats all over the country. And so I think that that's what's been so special about nomad life. And and it gives me a chance. I'm a snowbird. So I'll go, my my boyfriend's in Indiana. And so I'll go to Indiana for a couple months, but then I want to be on the Southern California coast and sit by the ocean for weeks on end. And so it's really, really fun to, you know, float around that way. And then is there any challenges? I think that's really interesting that that you've woven it into your business being on the road and it's a part of who you are and it's a part of your business. But are there any challenges with like accessing internet and all of those things with being on the road? For sure. So the internet is probably one of those top complications for sure is having to be within range because, you know, when you've got an all wheel drive vehicle that goes off road, you want to get off road. That's very enticing. I'd love to be off grid for two and three and four weeks on end, which I can appropriately plan to do. But to be able to have that internet access, I do have the Starlink internet. So that's that's one way around that. But it's not perfect either. So internet's always a challenge. Making sure that you have sound quality is a challenge. You know, depending on where you are, you might have so many external forces, car engines and airplanes and door slamming or cars beeping. So it depends on where you're parked, things like that. That's another thing. It doesn't bother me, but I know it would be bothersome for a lot of people is knowing where you're going to park every single night. Every single night of your life, you're, you know, you're considering where you're parking. And so I often park on like family's land or if I'm visiting a client, I can park there, but then I'll do street parking or parking lot parking, or I can get a campsite. There's all sorts, like the options are really endless. I love hotel parking lots because they're usually more quiet. (laughs) And so there's different things like that. So parking is one of those things. And then yeah, just making sure my water supply, you're just doing a lot more planning, a lot more consideration about your home's home and what's because it's nothing's fixed about it. Sometimes I forget where I parked. <laughs> yeah, right. And your van is very cool. I'm so glad that I got a chance yeah. to like check it out when I met you last year. That was really a neat experience because I've never seen someone's, you know, yeah. van life van. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so. it's so fun. It is. And then one of the things you mentioned is that you also host retreats. So how did you start doing that? And what do your retreats look like? Yeah, they do look they they have different like I name them differently so that people know like what they're coming to right the permission to be retreat the mystic rising retreat the hearts unleashed retreat and so some of them are a little bit more conference style where we're in a big room with tables and chairs and then some are at like Airbnbs very intimate on couches and make sure we have a hot tub things like that one of the first programs I offered in Hearts Unleashed and as a coach is book clubs when I wrote my first book I hosted a book club so you could read the book with the author. I, I, I still do that. I'm starting one in October and I host a couple a year and that then I started hosting more and more book clubs and it was with people all over the country. And it was just an obvious choice to host an in-person retreat. So all of the book club participants could meet in person and hug. And then I could host a, a self-development 
retreat around that. And so that was how it started. And then it became big enough to open to the public. And so it's just constantly evolved. And then I didn't fully answer your question before, like Hearts Unleashed became built. It like reached its pinnacle in 2022. And then my mystic guide spiritual nature type leadership and coaching has taken precedence. And that's been a very interesting thing too, because like I just hosted a retreat in Sedona and it was much more to nurture spiritual leaders. It wasn't very career oriented and it wasn't very like company or CEO oriented as much as it was that spiritual, emotional leadership. So it's just been, I'm just like, again, following that flow. (laughs) I love that. And so you said that you host the book clubs with the authors. Can you tell me more about that? I saw that you had just posted recently on Facebook about an upcoming book club, but that's so cool. Tell me about all about that. Yeah. So as the author of three books, I definitely host book clubs on my book. And then I'm a publisher as well. I think you mentioned that I help people get their books out into the world. And so when an author wants to run a book club with their book, they can do that through the Hearts Unleashed program. So we run a six week program where readers read the book with the author and they're asking questions directly to them. But also our book clubs are, I call them a book club, but deeply it's a self-development program. It's really about the reader and what they're getting out of the book and that the author is one of the best people to guide them through the journey that their book is taking them through. So, you know, Coach Tamara Fogel takes people through her book. I am enough because I say I am. Sammy Vitale, Catherine Pluszynski has a book on grief that she's taken people through. So it's really profound to do that. And then I just started branching out with other books as well. That's such a great idea. So you help people publish their books as well. So can you tell me like what that process is like to publish a book with you? Yeah, I love helping people publish their books. And through the evolution of it, I've learned which parts I like and which parts I don't like because I really love the production end, meaning editing, layout, getting it up on product and on for sale and, and launching it with people. And then I usually, I don't strongly lean towards author representation. So I love to mentor an author and teach them how to market and all of that. I wrote my first book in 2017. I am published with Pina Publishing, who I love and adore. My my publisher, Jeannie, is, has been such a, a supportive mentor in my life. And I wrote my first book and then I wrote the next book and I ghost wrote three books and I was in the industry to where I really understood the process that it's, it's just something that comes so second nature to me, the process of publishing a book. I was referring authors to Jeannie with Pina and a couple other publishers and I was kind of inundating them with leads with, with new authors because new authors were just showing up in my life. I had finally been making enough referrals that it was like enough. It's time to just help these people, especially because I was the one mentoring them all the way through writing their book. It really just became a natural evolution to publish their books. I am very thorough about interviewing my authors nowadays because not everyone's a good fit. I can help someone publish their book in my sleep. That's not the question. It's what do you want your book to do? What do you want to do as an author? Where do you see yourself going? Like, I want to make sure the frequency between me and an author is on par before I'm just like, yeah, I'll publish, you know, and, and I am not genre specific. Like I have fictional narratives at the middle school level. I have 
personal development memoirs. I have an astrology book within our range and like a guidebook. So the genre doesn't matter. It's much more about what, what do you want to do as an author? And so making sure, cause I, I'll, I'll be the first to say, I am not the one to decide if a book is good or not. I can tell you if your writing's good or not, but like, just because that book doesn't interest me, doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be published. That's been an important step for me as an entrepreneur, knowing that I can't help everybody and how to find the people I'm most aligned with to work with. Because, you know, I think it takes trial and error of a lot of years of figuring out when you're working with people you're not aligned with. So how did you get the confidence to like exercise that muscle and you know, be more choosy about the clients that you take on? That is a great question because trial, error, fumbling, crying, like there's, I mean, it's, it's, it is very messy. There's so many life lessons woven into that question, but one, you have to learn to charge your worth and your rate. And there were plenty of seasons where I let people hire me as their coach and then realize like, this isn't a good fit. And then you have to learn how to fire people too, or be fired. I say fired, but that might just be parting ways. You know, that's completing a contract or or cutting a contract short. And so you learn when it's a you and you game. It doesn't have anything to do with the client. The client is a reflection of where you currently are. So if you're upset with a contract or you're feeling underpaid or overused or something like that, that has to do with your boundaries and communicate the the agreement really clearly and have a good understanding and then be able to just address any breakdowns. So you learn about what you want a lot of times by ending up in situations that you don't want, right? So we don't want to keep talking about what we don't want. We just want to continue to get clear about what we do want and then hold space for that. And man, you got to be willing to be misunderstood. You got to be willing to disappoint people. Really like you got to be willing to hear your price is what? That's too much. That's expensive. Or I wasn't ready to invest that much. Or, you know, there's all sorts of feedback that people might give you. One thing I want to say about pricing yourself, because I just had a client reach out, like, how much should I charge for this? And I said, I just turned around and said, how much should you charge for that? Because what I'm charging isn't the market. It, you know, what you're charging isn't what the market says. Like, there is no market. The market's so skewed, blah, blah, blah. And so I like to, play around with charge something that freaks you out a little bit, but don't charge something that's so high you won't even sell, meaning you're not going to show up for the job because it's literally so shameful or embarrassing for you to think to ever ask that that rate that you that you won't get behind it, right? So the reason I say that is because I have risen my rates dozens of times in the last 7 years, you know. And so at one point when 1200 a month felt really vibey for me at some point it's it's still it's too low if i can make 10 sales at 1200 well then i've probably calibrated to that and so it's time to raise it also when you end up raising your rates you also end up raising the caliber of client that you work with naturally and so that's another shift is like is who you serve and then what you charge. Those are very, they're similar conversations, but they are two different conversations. And something that was really important for me is Hearts Unleashed could serve people at every income level, that that self-development is available to all people with all budgets. And 
that as I evolve and grow, those some of those things can stay in place. Some of them need to be upgraded and changed. Some of them need to fall off. So I think that it's a it's an ongoing and constant question and answer to be considered as an entrepreneur because it evolves with you. Yeah. I think you bring up an excellent point there talking about raising your prices. So my business is I own an insurance agency. I don't have any say over the prices, right? So I haven't had to have those conversations or make those decisions. And I'm sure that you've gotten more comfortable making those decisions to raise your prices. But how did you build up that muscle to be able to just look at a straight face with somebody and say, my price is up here yeah. without you know, feeling bad? Yeah. So the first thing is heal, 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 heal. Everything about keeping a low price has everything to do with our wounding. Not good enough, not worthy, um, stupid, ugly, not cool. Like whatever stories we have from our childhood has so much to do with what we can charge. And then asking for more. My codependent nature, fear of abandonment causes codependent nature, which causes me to be a people pleaser, which causes me to charge prices that please people which means I can never raise my rate, which means if I do raise my rate, I am confronting my crippling fear of being rejected, of disappointing others, of being left all alone, of failing in my business, of ending up on the street. You see how quickly that can unravel? So heal, 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 heal. Raising your rate is the quickest way to discover what you have not healed yet. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. Okay. So that's that's that answer is heal. And then one of the other ways I raise my rate is I say the price and I freaking zip my lip, zip it, say it and zip it because we talk people out of hiring us because of our own discomfort. So if I tell you that's going to be $2,500 a month for the next three months, and then I just let you be with that. The key here is sitting in your discomfort and sitting in their discomfort and not needing to fix or change it. Just letting discomfort be there because sometimes I'm not big on all the sales stuff or like NLP and tactic stuff, but I love Grant Cardone's say he has a sales guide book and he's just running through different scenarios of what people can say when you say prices. And it's really great for like rehearsing some of those. And he says, some people just like to tell you that your price is high. Doesn't mean they're not going to pay it. They just want to say it. And so you're like, yeah, I, I got that. And are you ready to get started today? Right? And they say, uh, no. And then you just get to deal with objections. So that's one last thing I want to say is objections are not rejection. Objections are objections. And quit taking them personally. Go ahead. As I, I, I run a sales organization and everything you're saying, I completely resonate with. And one of the biggest things we talk about in, in my business is don't think out of your own pocketbook. You know what I mean? Like, just because that seems like a lot for you, it might not be a lot for the person sitting across from you or their pain point around whatever you're presenting, whatever product it is you're trying to sell, their pain might be big enough that they, they're willing to make that jump. You just got to zip it. I love that. I, you need to be doing corporate sales training too. Maybe that's the next step. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it, there's so much, there's so much to be talked about in sales because it's, it's a fascinating thing and it's a, it's an emotional journey. So much of the hot stuff that you're going to see is like five steps to this and three steps 
three keys to that. And it's like, cool, but it doesn't cover the emotional turmoil you navigate as you grow, as you publish, as you put yourself out there. That's where I do really well holding space with and for people to navigate the emotional journey and to kind of point at like, this is a breakdown and breakthrough that you're headed directly towards. You know, you might smash your face against it because, you know, God bless these authors. They're like, ah, you know, they call me, ah, and it's like, normal. What you feel is normal. What you're experiencing is normal. Or or you get it. You know, one of your teammates is going through a sales call and they call you after and they're like, that was freaking terrible. And you're like, congratulations on your terrible sales call and working it out, you know? Or again, it's all the levels of discomfort that we have to navigate to get where we're going. It is. One of my favorite books, I don't know who the author is, but it's called Go For No. Have you ever read that? No, I've heard of it and definitely familiar with the concept. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, It takes like three hours to read, but I was required my first job in the insurance industry to read it. And it's just every no gets you closer to a yes. I am a natural born salesperson. I love sales. It took me many years before I figured out that that's really what I wanted to do. But sales is everything. And I've seen a lot of people that I've met, you know, through networking, friends that have life coaching businesses or other solopreneur businesses that they're trying to get going, but they have such an aversion to the sales piece of it. And it seems like you are a natural at it and you really got that piece dialed in and understand it. So do you run all of these businesses and everything by yourself or do you have a team of like a hundred? What do you do? How are you making it happen? I have a team of like six. (laughs) I have a client relations director and then I have a team of support coaches within the business. There was definitely a season of my life where I had like 40 clients a week and couldn't breathe and was like, oh my God. And so we as a team can support this group more, more fundamentally. And so the book clubs were so efficient and I wanted more book clubs for more people. We had more interest, more people were coming in and it was beautiful and we kept growing. And so we have that. And especially here's something that I really want to say that has been such a priority and value to me is I Abigail Gazda am not hearts unleashed. Hearts unleashed is is plural hearts. And so I wanted to have multiple coaches on staff so that everybody in our client base could choose. I don't want to work with Abigail. I want to work with Aaron. I want to work with Amber. I want to work with Aviance. And that way they were getting a variety of coaching styles a variety of focus points like coach Michelle is a, is a financial coach. And so she can work with people on their budget and I can too, but you know, she's just got this, this flow in it. And so it was really beautiful to be able to have a different offering of coaches in a variety, especially in the Hearts Unleashed Leadership Academy. We had different people presenting, different people running book clubs. So it was just really valuable to have that. So I do, I have a team, I have support and, and I hire support. You know, I love to have different people as I do not edit. I hate editing. So like my podcast, I pay Chance, our wonderful editor. He's always been my, and he edits my audiobooks. And then Daquan, you know, we have a full team of contractors. So it just, it really is a development over years and years. That wasn't an easy transition at the start because I had this like, I would call it a little bit of a control freak thing, you know, of like, I can't hand this off. This is my baby. So I was so protective of my idea and my company that delegating definitely grew me because I had to practice trust and surrender and all of those things. 
That is one of the hardest things, especially when you're leading the team. I also, I have a team of, mine are employees, but I have a team of six as well. And in this past year, I have really gone hard at delegating, getting things off my plate, because I know that's the only way the business is going to grow is if I have the time to grow it. But it is such a difficult thing to, to get comfortable with letting other people do things for you. How did you get comfortable doing that? And what are some of the lessons you learned Mm. while you were doing that? Yeah. The main lesson is done is better than perfect. That's what I had to tell myself because do, does Jill do things the way I would do it all the time? No. Does, you know, Aaron do everything that I would, the way I would do it? No. And that it's okay. So I got to deprogram my perfectionist that was a big one, right? Is that the people are still being served. And, and also though, like I do have a certain standard of quality, like that's for darn sure. Like we're not going to just like let this be a free for all or a hot mess. But at the same time, everybody is totally capable. And I think that that was a really important lesson too, is treating people as capable trusting that they can do what they need to do and that they can ask for help or that I can coach them. And I think that that was a big, for the control freak, the one who wants to do it all, spending two to three hours training someone to do something can save me two to 3,000 hours of doing it myself. And so I am all for very thorough training and detailed orientations to empower somebody to take on a task. So it's not just a handoff. It's a sit with, it's a done with you, it's repetition, it's very redundant. And then that person has the freedom and range of motion to sprint. And I also just love hiring people who have their natural energy and creativity. So I'm hiring go-getters or working with go-getters who I also trust. And then if I have a very specific need, I'm going to hire a very specific person so that it's not something I have to think about. Meaning like a chance, like, or Daquan, they're both my video and audio. Like I will just hand them a pile of content and it will come back to me brilliant. So I don't have to oversee or micromanage. So working with people that you don't have to micromanage and just making sure you provide plenty of resources and training for your people to feel empowered to do their work. I love that. It's hard, especially my business is pretty new. I'm three and a half years in and you know, you want to put dig your claws in. It's got to be done this way. But one of the most exciting things for me in these past couple of years, as I've started letting go Mm -hmm. and delegating out the parts of my business that I don't necessarily want or need to do all of Mm -hmm. has been seeing the people who work with me shine because like you said, sometimes, sometimes it's not the way I would do it, but a lot of times it's better than the way I would do it. And watching these people who have taken the time to learn what they're doing and care so much about it, just flourish and show their own ability and skills has been so fun to watch. So another question related to having a team How did you decide that you needed a team when you were a solopreneur? And how did you make that move to get that first person to help you? Okay. I love that you asked this question. It's it your questions are just so funny to me. Like it it, I want to be like, it's like you know my journey or something. It's it's just funny because I definitely again was deprogramming a lot of my stuff. And I was in hyper independence mode, solopreneur mode. 
And I was working with a, a colleague. We were accountability partners and I was frustrated. I was tired. I was kind of burnt out. I was at capacity. And he goes, what do you need? And I'm like, I need help. That was it. That was the breakthrough. Me saying, I need help. So immediately I put out an ad for an intern and someone who had been a past client was like, I wish I could be your intern. And I was like, you can be. And I said, if you want to be, we can, we could set this up and you could be my executive assistant and all of that. And, and so it, it evolved every single one of my teammates. It has been an organic situation, meaning I never go out looking for folks. It's that we meet, we vibe really well. A lot of the teammates that I have have asked me directly, like, how can I help spread the Hearts Unleashed word? Like, how can I participate in getting this out there? And I could not ask for a better group of people in that aspect because their passion, like their true passion, it's not a J-O-B. You know, they do work that they're inspired to do. And then they can get paid doing it. You know what I mean? There's commission-based, there's there's hourly stuff that I offer. And so we have all sorts of, it's just like, I've spent years stabilizing like payout opportunities and different things like that. So it's just been such a learning opportunity and whoo, it has grown me as a leader in so many ways, but all of the teammates that have joined us and that have left us, it's all been an organic flow in and flow out. And so I really love and appreciate what we have going with Hearts Unleashed. So what's next for you? Like what's the next phase of your business? What are you envisioning for the future? Yeah, good question. And who knows? Oh my God. (laughs) I say that playfully just because Spirit constantly challenges me in the level of surrender and faith. And so I could tell you things and I could tell you that if spirit redirected me, I would go in the redirection. You know, Hearts Unleashed has been in a natural hibernation season. There's pieces where part of what we built before was really relevant. That's not really relevant now. So I'm seeing certain pieces come like thin off of, like we're shaving down on Hearts Unleashed in a way. And then I'm naturally being welcomed or encouraged into that mystic leadership. So that's what's been coming through a lot lately. I have different retreats coming up and then also this VIP immersion that I am offering, which is just starting to come out now. Uh, VIP immersion is 48 hours with me at a destination location, not your hometown. You know, you're going out of your sphere to spend 48 hours with me, do some really in-depth work. Day one is clearing and completion and day two is uh, clarity and creation. And so that's something that I'm like really passionate and excited about. And then, yeah, just one-on-one work, evolution. I'm writing a book. I'm always writing a book. So those things are coming through. And the podcast, like the podcast is a constant, constant thing. We're going on the season end right now, but we'll be launching season seven in March of 2024. Wow. You've been doing podcasting for a really long time if you're going into season seven. And podcasting is huge. And (laughs) so what have you seen the evolution of of podcasting be and what have you learned through that so i have a, a episode it's number 300 i think or 301 it's three things i learned in 300 episodes of podcasting so there's that but just consistency people constantly i think i want to start a podcast i'm like okay if you want to start a podcast go live on facebook for 20 days and then tell me if you want to start a podcast because 
the thing I want to tell people about a podcast is there's like five or six jobs. There's planning, right? Uh, and then there's like scripting and then there's recording and then there's editing and then there's publishing and then there's promotion. And those are all very different jobs. And so if you want to do a podcast, you're going to be doing a lot of different things. And if you want to do it consistently. So for the first four seasons, we had two episodes a week. And then for the last two seasons, we've done one episode a week. I feel really good about the way that we offer it. But I will tell you in the beginning, I was doing all of those jobs in real time, like week to week. Now we we batch record and we're pushing out episodes like 20 episodes in the future. And so it's like, just learning the ebbs and the flows of content management. That's really the answer. Content creation, scheduling, being responsible. Yeah. Looking, being able to look ahead, being able to anticipate planning for burnout. I want to, I just want to touch on that because the idea of producing 365 is not ideal. And so I've come up with my output season. This is me personally. February through about end of October, a little into November is my energetic output season, whether that's content, sales, all those things. And then for me, I take my energy back in November, December, January, February, and I'm in sort of a inhale season where I'm breathing in and I'm restoring. And then I, so I can be really passionate about the content I put out. And so, yeah, it's just an ebb and flow that I've created that works for me. So, but it's, it is definitely the podcast caused that awareness because I did think I would just publish all, all year, every year. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, with, is the podcast used as a more of a marketing tool to to advertise Hearts Unleashed or is the podcast taking on a life of its own and like a business entity of its own in your business? It's definitely interwoven. So I would say there is the marketing aspect. It's an emotional intelligence podcast. So it really is like, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. I interview other people who are living their heart unleashed to, in order to inspire those who want to, to do the same. But then I'm, I name those episodes as specifically as possible to help people. Like one is how to apologize right? Or two factors to forgiveness, or I have episodes on journaling. And so they're meant to be really tangible, meaning they're 15 minute fill-ups where you listen and you can apply that to your life to improve the quality and direction and trajectory of your life. I love that. Yeah. As we wrap up here, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about any programs you have coming out or anything mm-hmm. like that? I just want to say that I so appreciate you. You are, this is one of the best interviews I've ever done. Like I, I hands down, you have great questions, active listening. And like, that's important because I feel like we drained the well. You asked so many questions that I got to share so much. I just want to say to our listeners, like, especially if you're all the way at the end of this interview, like, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for being here. And I just want to encourage people like you can be, the version of success that you see in your mind's eye, that you sense deep within your heart and soul. Like I feared having to become different or be like someone or something to be considered successful and valid. And the more I've embraced and accepted myself, the more expressed I am, the more fun I'm having, and I get to enjoy my success more. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Abigail. It was wonderful to chat with you today. Thank you. 
Off the Beaten Career Path podcast is a Lit Path Studios production and is produced by Jamie Gale and Katie Myers. Music is by Sasha Gray and Pond5. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and share it to your social media. Remember, your career path is up to you to create. Keep exploring, keep pushing boundaries, and keep blazing your own trail.